Skunkarino, here we go. El Skunkarino, welcome to the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Skunk. I'm Sean, your host. Now, that was a really clean intro. We got the song, we got the name out there, we got the host name out there. That went well. I'm happy with that one. Uh, welcome everybody, like I said, to the Skunk. Uh, if you're new, uh, I hope you have fun. If you're returning, thank you for coming back. Uh, right off the bat, I want to say that the uh, listenership seems to be growing, which is really, really great because I don't do that much to promote this. You know, the odd social media post, uh, things like that. But I really try to get this to be word of mouth. Um, I feel like that's always the strongest advertisement for anything is just a personal recommendation from one friend to another. You know, we all drive by a million billboards. We all see a million ads on the Internet and have to sit through ads on TV, whether it's YouTube or whatever. Uh, but when somebody personally recommends something to you, you are way more likely to engage with that product or content or whatever, I feel like, than if it's just a random ad. Uh, so yeah, that being said, you know, if you have found some value in this podcast, if you enjoy it, uh, share it with people who you think might enjoy it as well. That's like a huge thing for us over here at The Skunk. And when I say us, I mean me and this microphone and this computer, the entire production team of The Skunk. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Continue to spread the word. If you like what you hear, go leave us a review in the iTunes store. Um, and, yeah, that's the housekeeping for this, uh, for this episode. So, been a busy week for me over here in my personal uh, professional life. Uh, it's been tough, actually, to get to the microphone for a couple days deep in production on a television series at the moment likely to be so over the next month. So if we get into the eight, nine day, you know, mark without a new skunk episode, please know I have not given up on the skunk. I am trying very hard to uh, get these episodes out in a timely fashion. I really aim for one to two a week. I'm just warning you, next couple of weeks, probably going to be more like one a week. Anyway, so uh, yeah, there's a lot going on in the world that I have noticed, especially because it's been sort of like you know, several days since the last skunk episode. There's so much happening. Um, and a lot of it is stuff that we've, like, kind of talked about before, so I don't really want to re retrod uh, well-worn trails here on the skunk, but there are a few things that are probably worth returning to. Unfortunately, one of them later on is going to be Texas, which I am just beyond sick of thinking about, talking about. I think I've mentioned on this show that I had to live there for uh, oof, for quite a while in the past, and boy probably the least favorite time of my entire life. And keep in mind, I uh, went to LAUSD, you know, Los Angeles Public School, and living in Texas was worse than that. Um, I don't know how many of you that will resonate with, but if you went to LA Public Schools in the 90s, uh, you'll get it. You know, that was hell. Texas is somehow worse. Anyway, so before we get into the main topic of this podcast, which I kind of intend to be the conflict between religion and us, right? Like even if you are religious, this still counts for you. Religion versus society, religion versus government, religion butting its nose in on every aspect of our lives when it is not supposed to be having that, uh, that authority. That's what I wanted to talk about later because there's several news stories pertinent to that. But first, no podcast in 2021 would be complete without uh, some COVID news because there's been some pretty amusing COVID news. Ivermectin. I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast before, but Ivermectin is a livestock dewormer 
And in much, much smaller and less concentrated doses, it can be used to treat worms in humans too. There are such things as ivermectin tablets that you can eat if you have worms. The idea here, without being too crass, is that you will just poop a lot and this stuff will kill the worms and you will poop them out. Does that sound like pleasant to you? Does that sound fun? Uh, it doesn't to me. I guess it sounds better than actually having worms to begin with, but ivermectin's not a, not a fun drug to take. Now, of course, worms are prevalent in livestock, horses, sheep, you know, things like that, cows. And so ivermectin is made in sort of industrial, extra, extra, extra concentrated, heavy strength doses, usually in a paste, to be given to livestock so that they too can poop out their worms and be free of worms, at least temporarily. Why am I talking about animals pooping and worms and all this disgusting stuff? Well, because somewhere, somehow, uh, Americans got it into their head that taking ivermectin will cure COVID or at least treat COVID, right? So if you get COVID, somehow taking an anti-worming medication is supposed to help you. Now, there are people out there, mostly on Facebook and stuff, who claim that this is being suppressed by the medical community, who doesn't want you to know about the benefits of ivermectin. Uh, they want you to think, apparently, that the vaccine is the only thing that can save you from COVID, and ivermectin is uh, this kryptonite that they'd rather keep under wraps. Well, as with everything, you know, there are going to be a few quack doctors out there who recommend crazy cures for things, but as a whole, the medical community does not believe that ivermectin, which is a dewormer, has any effect as an antiviral medication, which it is not, right? To, to combat a virus like COVID, you would need something antiviral. Uh, ivermectin just makes you shit your pants. So it is kind of funny to see, you, like, some of these tweets and social media posts of people like, I had COVID and I thought that was bad and I'm doing my ivermectin treatments and, like, is anyone else shitting their pants in the grocery store? I'm having a hard time with this. Like, I'm, am I taking the right amount and blah, blah, blah. It's like, how bad is the free vaccine, guys, that you are subjecting yourself, like, to not only getting COVID to begin with. Like, here, let's back up. This is apparently the new strategy, Right. I don't want the thing that's free, 94% effective, and prevents me from getting sick to begin with, in most cases. Of course, there are breakthrough cases. I don't want that. I don't want to head this off at the pass. I'd rather get COVID first, see how I'm doing, and then if I feel like I'm, I'm kind of down in the dumps on COVID, I'm going to eat livestock dewormer and shit all over myself in a Trader Joe's. That's going to be my battle strategy here. That's how I'm going to get through the pandemic. Right. And it, keep in mind now, too, that the shitting your pants medication doesn't work. Right. There's been multiple studies. People have looked at this over and over. There has been shown to be no difference in outcome between people who have COVID and just go untreated and people who have COVID and take ivermectin. It's literally the same. So, yeah, some people will get COVID and feel better within days or have you know no symptoms at all and get out of it fine. And then there are some people who will have the same experience, except they also ate ivermectin. And they will think, oh, well, it's probably because I had all this ivermectin. No, you're probably just one of the people who got through it okay on their own, and you're very, very lucky. Ivermectin had nothing to do with it. In fact, it probably just caused you to shart. Okay. Uh, there is one thing here that is highly effective against COVID, and it is the vaccines that we have developed. Whether it's mRNA or Johnson & Johnson, which I don't know why you would want that, but 
I'm glad that there's a single shot solution out there for people who are, for some reason, afraid of mRNA. I guess ignorance always leads to fear in many cases here. Um, that's fine. If mRNA scares you, if you don't understand it, or more likely you think you understand it but have no clue what you're talking about, get the Johnson & Johnson shot that's only half as effective and gets you much sicker, it seems, and at least the, the people I've noticed in my life who have chosen that shot have a much harder time with the sort of 24 to 48 hours afterwards. Uh, whatever. If that's your thing, get it. But one thing I would say that probably is a stupid idea is getting none of the vaccines, waiting to get COVID, and then eating things that are meant for horses to shit out worm parasites in a barnyard, hoping that somehow that will help you. Okay, I mean, that should go without saying. Even the FDA tweeted the other day uh, something really funny. It was just like, seriously, America, please don't eat horse dewormer. It's not safe. <laughs> and if you go to the FDA site, they explain it a little more. They're like, yes, it is. Like, like I said earlier, there are human tablets of ivermectin for when humans get worms. And those are small, small, small usually safe doses, even though they have interactions with other drugs like blood thinners and stuff, that is okay for worms. Taking hyper-concentrated dewormer for livestock is not safe for you, right? It's toxic at worst, and on the lower end of the spectrum, again, you will find yourself incontinent in a movie theater, at a wedding, in a child's piano recital. I can name a lot of places I would not like to poop my pants. Actually, there's nowhere I would like to poop my pants. There's only one room that this is normally where you do this kind of thing, and your pants usually come down for that. Uh, Ivermectin is going to spoil those plans real fast. So, ugh, weird. Now, with that said, a big Ivermectin proponent has been Joe Rogan, the irascible podcast host who loves to stir things up, and he is likable sometimes, but man, this guy just loves like pseudoscience and snake oil, and one of these guys who's like obsessed with health, but not in the scientific way. Like he loves the alternative medicines. He loves like taking ice baths and saunas, uh, eating brain pills. Like there's no alternative uh, sort of medicine that you could put in front of this guy that he's not 100% down for. But then, curiously, when the real Western medicine with clinical trials behind it comes his way, always dubious, always suspicious. You know, I feel like this is becoming a very prevalent American attitude. I'll try anything under the sun, including horse dewormer, but don't bring me any of that shit that scientists made in a lab and studied over three, you know, phases of clinical trials to prove that it works. I don't want that. That sounds crazy to me. Give me the crystal healer. Give me this, like, weird branded drink that I drink that's supposed to, like, boost my serotonin levels as though I understand what that even means or what mechanism would be used from a drink to do that. Like, it's so bizarre to me. So Joe Rogan now has COVID, and he's long been an anti-vaccine guy on his show, although he's walked it back and forth in typical Joe Rogan fashion. He's like an impossible guy to pin down. He'll go on one day and say, I don't think young people need to take the vaccine. Like, all you got to do is just do sit-ups and stay healthy, and your immune system should take care of yourself. And then the next day, when everybody yells at him for saying that, he's like, well, no, I mean, the vaccine's fine. I'm just saying people should be in shape. And it's like, okay, you don't really believe any of this shit. You're just kind of saying stuff willy-nilly with no sense of responsibility for the millions and millions and millions of men who, for some strange reason, think this man is some sort of an intellectual. Now, I'm not saying Joe Rogan's dumb. He's clearly not dumb, but he is wrong about a lot of stuff. 
and his intellectual rigor uh, is not up to snuff for somebody to be calling him an intellectual, right? He's not. He's very wishy-washy. And Joe himself, when confronted with some of the shit that comes out of his mouth on his show, always just falls back and they're like, well, I'm just a comedian. I'm just a guy with a podcast, you know, like, hey, man, you can't hold me responsible for what I say. Like, if people take me seriously when I tell them to eat horse dewormer and not get a vaccine, well, that's their fault for listening to a comedian. All right, so no real intellectual, like a public intellectual, would ever have that excuse for themselves, right? He clearly wants to come off as a smart guy and wants people to take him seriously and listen to the stuff he says. But then if it gets him in trouble, he wants to back away and shirk responsibility. Well, hey, man, I'm just up here. Just I'm just a guy. His famous thing is we're all just monkeys on a rock, man. And, you know, I just talking into a microphone with my friends, smoking cigars and, you know, I feel like this is just a safe place to talk about whatever. And if people want to take that seriously, like, that's kind of on them. Okay, that might be true. But, again, I think that you would never catch, like, Carl Sagan saying that <laughs> or, you know, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson or any of these people who we would consider public intellectuals. So, anyway, that said, careful with Joe's COVID prescriptions. Now, he himself yesterday declared that he has COVID and says that he is taking ivermectin. And along with like 10 other weird, uh, rare drugs and treatments that are unavailable to most people, like something like monoclonal antibodies, which are basically like white blood cells, like antibodies that are cloned in a lab and then delivered to you, which apparently Joe Rogan is perfectly willing to trust that kind of science, uh, which is just as strange and <laughs> exotic as mRNA or the vaccine. But for some reason, this one's okay with him after getting COVID. And, you know, several others that I won't bother to list you here, but these are, it's, it's the same thing as like when Donald Trump got COVID and then had the best treatment in the world, every single experimental treatment available to him, every single expensive, rare type of therapy that, that could be given to a COVID patient, he got. Well, it's the same with Joe Rogan, who's well over $100 million of net worth and can get into any hospital anywhere and get exactly what he wants. So I have no doubt that Joe will probably be okay. He is also, you know in shape, not that that really matters. I think that he thought that that would protect him from COVID. But it's so strange to me that he's spending all this money and all these resources on all these experimental uh, treatments after getting COVID, when again, he could have probably just ducked this entire experience for himself by just getting the shot. Okay, but do you, Joe. I guess if that's how you want to handle this, again, to me, weird strategy. Seems like ass backwards. But uh, sure, <laughs> do your thing. I just found that funny. Hopefully he'll be okay. Um, you know, it is one of the Trumpian things where some people out there are now just kind of hoping that he gets really sick to wake his audience up to the fact that all these bogus treatments don't work or don't help and that waiting to get COVID is a bad idea. But I don't think that's a healthy place to be. Like, we don't want anybody to get sick. We don't want anybody to die. I hope he's fine. Um, but I do hope that after this experience, he will... Maybe get on that microphone and tell his audience to get vaccinated. I have a feeling he's not going to. He's probably going to get on and say, everything was fine. I just took my ivermectin and I'm great now. And probably leave out, you know, the nine or ten other drug cocktails he's taking. Whatever, dude. It's not the Joe Rogan podcast. One more piece of COVID news I wanted to touch on, though, before we dive deeper into this is Candace Owens, if you know who that is, basically a professional troll, right-wing troll. Again, another COVID hoax theorist, anti-masker, anti-vaccine person, uh, just a very obnoxious lady who makes her living sort of being contrarian and rude and a troll, like I said. 
she tried to get a COVID test in Aspen, Colorado, and the testing clinic wrote her a letter that just said, oh, it's Candace Owens, and she wants a COVID test. Well, Candace, you, why don't you go fuck yourself? You know, you've made a living out of making this uh, pandemic worse and telling people to do all the things that uh, spread COVID, right? Take your masks off, get in people's faces, uh, be as obnoxious as possible in the grocery store, don't get a vaccine, force your kids back to school without masks or vaccines. Like Candace Owens is all about that stuff. And now she's worried she has COVID and she wants a COVID test. Well, this place just said, we are working so hard here and have been for well over a year and a half at this point, dealing with this pandemic, trying to help people. And you're out there actively making this worse and actively making our lives harder. So now you want us to give you a COVID test? And they told her, piss off. And they also said, good luck. There's only one other testing facility in Aspen. They send their tests to Texas. It takes several days to get back, and their results are usually very unreliable. So have fun. Of course, Candace Owens then turned around and posted this whole letter on the uh, Internet with the intent of saying, look at how mean everybody's being to me. It, it is, again, the sort of tolerance paradox that we talked about with Alan Dershowitz and Larry David last week, where it's like, she is an intolerant, just monstrous lady, just a horrible, horrible person. And then the minute somebody finally sticks up and says, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not st- going to be tolerant of your bullshit, lady. Well, then she wants to post that letter and say, look at how intolerant these people are. Look at what hypocrites they are. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's the tolerance paradox at work, right? The only thing these people are being intolerant of is her bullshit. And rightly so. So now, of course, there's a review war going on for this poor COVID clinic in Aspen with people trying to give them one-star reviews and just uh, shred them in support of Candace Owens. And then, of course, people on the other side giving them five-star reviews and thanking them for their service to humanity by denying this woman a COVID test. So, yeah, anyway, I thought that, again, this episode's not all about COVID, but news from the wild COVID frontier is always entertaining, especially when it comes to people living in a sort of unreality being confronted uh, with reality. That's always an, an interesting intersection to observe, don't you think? Anyway, the real point of this episode is, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk a little bit about the intersection of religion and government. Now, I realize that some skunk listeners are probably religious. I'm going to guess we've got uh, Jewish folks, Christian folks. We may have some Muslim folks. I, I guess I've never met the audience, so I don't really know. I would probably wager if you're a returning listener over and over, you may be an atheist or at least uh, uh, someone with very liberal tendencies in your religion and not an orthodox, uh, hardcore, you know, fundamentalist Christian or anything. Although, man, it would be great to get some of those people as an audience. Honestly, I'm willing to talk to anybody uh, and open to that. But point being here that Uh, You probably aren't going to be shocked to learn sort of my take on religion, uh, especially when it comes to government and our personal lives, uh, because I'm an atheist, right? I don't believe in God. I have no religious, spiritual, metaphysical dogma uh, that guides my decisions and guides my life, and I certainly don't have anything like that that I think I need to force onto anyone else. I mean, in my opinion, I think secularism is the best uh, thing for society in that you should be able to have your own metaphysical take on the world if you want to be spiritual, if you want to be Hindu, if you want to be Buddhist, uh, you want to be a Christian. I think all of that should be fine in a secular society. But the point of it is that the government does not run by your preferred version of religion or metaphysics, right? The government is grounded in reality and in science. 
uh, real-world things that are testable, repeatable, things where we can do A and C, B every single time. You know, that is what we need to be concerned with when it comes to running a government and making the rules that sort of uh, shepherd our societies uh, into the future. And now within that framework, if you want to go home and also obey the Ten Commandments or also you know, pray five times a day facing Mecca or do whatever it is that your religion is asking of you, then be my guest. Like, I don't think that we should be stopping you from doing your thing. Personally, as an atheist, do I wish that uh, all religions would go away? There is part of me that does, because I think that they are sort of a ball and chain around our ankle as we try to drag ourselves forward and face all sorts of existential crises, you know, crises from... Uh, God, from the errant asteroid heading towards Earth to climate change to wars with one another over religion, you know, to female reproductive rights and the rights of gay people to adopt, to marry. There are so many places I can look in the world where I think all of our problems go away the minute that religion does, you know, and we all get on the same page of just dealing with things scientifically But we are kind of stuck in a place, because we want to be a secular society that is tolerant of everyone's worldview, where we have to put up with or or tolerate, even if we're tapping our foot and looking at our watch, where we listen to the religious take on all of these issues. And what do the religious people think? What do they want to do about climate change? What do they want to do about the asteroid? Let's give equal time to what these people think. Uh, a gay relationship should have access to as far as civil rights, right? Can these people live together? Can they be married and get the tax benefits of that? Can they have children? Well, I know what someone who doesn't have any belief in God or the Bible or what a 4,000-year-old shepherd would think about that issue thinks, right? I would say, have at it, people. Love who you want to love. And if there are children out there in need of a loving home, I hope that you are able to take them in. Like, that's a wonderful thing for you to have a family. Now let's hear from the guy who wants to uh, be the modern mouthpiece for the 4,000-year-old shepherd. What do you think about it, Tom? Like, I just, I understand that it is our duty as a secular society to hear this man's opinion, but it does get a little tiring knowing where we are today, having a modern conception of right and wrong, and have to constantly give airtime and attention to what in the modern sense just kind of amounts to bigotry, right? and uh, is often an assault on civil rights. So there's a back and forth between secularists and atheists and the religious in the United States. Everyone always wants to think that their rights are being taken away. But in reality, it really does appear to me that only one side is trying to erode the other's rights. Like I said, me being an atheist and a secularist does not mean that I I want you to stop being a Christian. I mean, it would be convenient for me if you would knock it off, but I'm not, I'm not taking any proactive measures to stop you from worshiping or going to church or doing any of that stuff. Like, please, have at it. Where we run into trouble is when you confuse your personal religious morality for what the government should be enforcing on the rest of us. So in other words, I'm not asking the government to stop you from going to church, but you are asking the government to make abortions illegal and to make gay marriage illegal. And all of these other things that come with your religion, which the, you know, the government of this country is not a Christian government, it's a secular government that tolerates everybody, but you're trying to insert your personal stuff into our lives. Like, there's no reason in the world why I would be 
upset with a woman having an abortion unless it was something so intentionally, you know, like three trimesters in and she's doing it for fun, which is almost never the case. Otherwise, I see this as a personal medical issue, you know, Um, but you're the one who's trying to insert your dogma into it, not me. So here's the thing, like Pete Buttigieg was doing a town hall on Fox News back when he was a presidential candidate, and Chris Wallace was moderating it, and he asked Pete Buttigieg, what do you think about the 6,000 women a year who get a third trimester abortion? How can you possibly justify that? You know, like, I would love to hear your take. And keep in mind, Pete Buttigieg is here in front of a Fox News audience, a town hall of Fox News people. And he said, look, um, 6,000 women a year in a country of nearly 400 million people or 350 or whatever it is, you know, he had the number, I don't have it in front of me, but it's between three and 400 million Americans, there's 6,000 women a year who are forced for some awful reason to have a third trimester abortion, which in most states requires some sort of a medical exemption to even get. Like most places don't allow that at all. Um, These are people who are most likely just receiving the most devastating news of their lives, right? By, By definition, if you have carried a baby to three terms or to three trimesters, um, you probably have every intent of delivering that baby. No doubt you have a name picked out. Perhaps you've bought a crib. There's a room in your house waiting for this new life. And you get news like this is going to be a stillborn baby. Something will be so awful with this baby that when it you know is delivered, it will only live a few hours or a few days. Perhaps the mother's life is in danger if she chooses to deliver this baby. And now the family has to choose between her life and the life of the child. These are awful, awful circumstances that a mature and probably secular person would look at and have compassion for. Uh, To paint all of these women and all of these families that have to make this terrible choice as baby killers or wanton murderers who are doing this for fun is despicable. And it's also dishonest, right? And this is what Pete Buttigieg basically pointed out. And he said, look, it doesn't matter what I think about the 6,000 women a year who have these third trimester abortions. It's, it doesn't matter. What, what, what I can tell you is have some fucking compassion and some perspective on what these 6,000 women's scenarios are probably like, right? Stop assuming the worst of everybody and being so cynical and thinking that these people are just wanton, gleeful child murderers and start looking at what the reality of those cases is. You dipshit. And amazingly, after delivering this... Uh, you know, little thing that I've just paraphrased for him. He got like a huge round of applause from a Fox News audience. You know why? Because it makes sense. Okay, no one here is is uh, excited about abortions. I've said this before on this show. No one in the world, except for a psychopath, would be like stoked on abortions. But some of us see the medical situation and the medical necessity and the reality of people's lives all being different. And sometimes there are things that they have to do that are difficult. And not having uh, the dogma of the Catholic Church weighing me down, I don't have a problem with women having access to that stuff. Right? And I understand that that's a controversial subject that a lot of people will have a different opinion on. uh, But that's where I'm at with it. Now, that said, right? 
I wanted to return really quickly to, and we're going to come back to abortion here, and you'll see how in a minute, to Afghanistan, which I don't want to talk about at length, but it, it was very telling to me. When the Taliban took over Afghanistan, there was two reactions from American conservatives, and they kind of came one right after the other. And uh, the first one was, of course, to blame Joe Biden and somehow make this disaster the Democrats' fault. But then shortly after, you saw a lot of other conservatives saying, like, wow, we could learn a lot from the Taliban. These guys are doing it right. You know, like, look at what religious conviction can get you. Look at they, they finally were able to take over that country and make it a theocratic country. Now, us Christian fundamentalists, of course, hate Muslims to every core of our being. And we do not want to do anything to help any Afghan interpreters or any Muslim find refuge here. Because, of course, this is a white Christian country and we can't have brown Muslims coming in no matter what they've done to help the United States. Uh, but there was admiration, open admiration all over social media for the fucking Taliban <laughs> from Americans, right? The most uh, self-proclaiming patriotic flag wavers of all were looking at the Taliban and saying, hey, this is not so bad. These guys believe in God. They're uh, you know, establishing more traditional family roles, which means women shut up and go in the closet and us guys are going to just walk around with guns all day talking about God. Uh, they kind of looked at that and for once they saw in the mirror what I have seen in American Christians for years now. And I vocally said this before, you guys are our Taliban, right? Christian fundamentalists are basically the American Taliban. They hate women's rights. They hate atheists. They hate gay people. They want very much for this country to be a theocratic white Christian ethnostate in exactly the same way that the Taliban wants Afghanistan to be a, an Islamic uh, emirate, you know, um, where only Afghans live. It, it's literally the same thing. Uh, of course, we can get back to the shared predilection for guns and all that stuff. It's just a lot in common between these two groups of people. The only thing that's different is the color of the skin, the country that they live in, and the preferred religious book. Other than that, very much the same thing. Uh, so it was only a matter of time before conservatives finally got to see in the mirror just how much they have in common with these people. And I'm not saying all conservatives. Obviously, I'm talking about a particular wing of the conservative movement in the United States, which at large has mostly been hijacked by Christians and a lot of Christian fundamentalists. Islamic fundamentalists, Christian fundamentalists, really two sides of the same coin. Now, I personally am glad that we've pulled out of Afghanistan because I see the American Taliban as much more of a threat to my personal life, right? I've talked about how bad I feel for all of the people in Afghanistan who have to live under the Taliban, but personally, I'm much more concerned with living with Texans and Floridians because I'm an American, and these are the people that I'm having to duke it out with every day. So... This leads us back to Texas and abortion. Uh, a day or two ago, Texas signed into law some horrible, horrible stuff if you are a secular humanist uh, or a scientific humanist or anyone really who's not religious. Now, this is, of course, a ban on abortions after six weeks of pregnancy, a time period which I should point out to you. Most women don't even know that they're pregnant, right? Six weeks is not very long into a pregnancy. A lot of people don't even figure out that they're pregnant until after that, which is exactly the point of passing this, this draconian law because they want you to realize you're pregnant and then immediately after that realize that it's too late to get an abortion for you in Texas. It's a clever and diabolical way to skirt Roe v. Wade, right? The Constitution uh, 
is being violated here. Even more alarmingly, the Supreme Court sort of declined to take Texas to task for this, uh, most likely because the Supreme Court justices at this moment in time are made up of two alleged sexual predators, five uh, conservative uh, (laughs) far-right figures, one moderate, and three uh, decent human beings on the left, or liberals, or whatever you want to call them. Three people who were disgusted and appalled with this, but unfortunately were outnumbered by their colleagues in the Supreme Court. And now the Supreme Court basically just said something along the lines of, and this is the the majority opinion, obviously these people did not have a consensus, but the majority opinion just basically said, this is a novel and interesting law that we have, you know, it's a little too complicated for us to weigh in on at this time. So it's like, apparently now we live in a society where the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, Feels like they can pass the buck uh, to who? Where does this go after you guys? You guys are the end of the road for this stuff. When it comes to whether or not something is constitutional, it's on your desk. You can't just say, oof, this is a tough problem. I don't know. Well, let's kick it, kick it down the road. What? No, this is your job, and this is clearly unconstitutional. Even more alarming than that, Texas also passed a law saying that it will give a $10,000 bounty to any citizen who informs to the government on someone who has had an abortion after six weeks or has even provided aid or comfort to someone who who has. Like if you advised someone where to get an abortion, if you drove someone out of a state to get an abortion, if you provided money for somebody to get an abortion, well, your neighbor can find out about that sue you, and the government will pay them to do it, $10,000. They said, great, if you find out that anybody has even talked about having an abortion and then tried to follow through on it, we'll give you $10,000 to tell the government about it and sue them. What the fuck kind of craziness is that? that, that this is a state in, in America, which, depending on your view of America, is either shocking or sadly becoming more and more routine. But what this really is, is theocratic creep, right, on a secular society. Because, again, the only people who are pushing this forward are Christians. And I will remind you, like I said earlier, this is not a Christian country. But, much like the Taliban, these people are finding their way to insert their personal religion into the government to restrict your rights And in the case of Texas, all women's rights because of their personal religious preference. This has nothing to do with science. This has nothing to do with anything concrete that you can prove. It is a personal religious opinion that women should not be having abortions. No matter what, I should point out, they made no exception in this law, the six-week law, for rape, for incest, for being underaged. So picture this. Texas also recently passed... Laws prohibiting uh, mask mandates, right, at schools and in various businesses and stuff, and prohibiting vaccine mandates. So if you're a business, if you're a school, whatever, you can't mandate that your employees, students, anybody has to be vaccinated or masked. They don't want that. But apparently, like now in Texas, when you put all this together, it means that if you're a 13-year-old, nobody can tell you to wear a mask before you come to school because that's a violation of your personal civil rights. But if your uncle rapes you and gets you pregnant, we're going to force you to have the baby 
because apparently that's not a violation of your civil rights, right? Your personal freedom. No one can tell you to wear a mask. No one can tell you that you need to be vaccinated. But we are going to make goddamn sure that you have your rapist's baby, 13-year-old girl. Because that is apparently now what we're going to consider moral or just. Because we're living in the fucking upside down at this point. This is absolutely crazy. And what I'm afraid of, and what we will surely see come true here if the skunk is right, is the Supreme Court's refusal to weigh in on this draconian, unconstitutional law or set of laws. This is going to be a house of cards that quickly dominoes across the American South. Florida, not to be outdone in craziness and uh, un-American authoritarianism, has taken a look at this and they are already drafting their own version of this law for Florida. Florida, which is much more of a purple state uh, than you would maybe believe, given the craziness that comes out of there. So keep in mind that this is often minority rule, right? There are so many people in these states that this affects who don't want this. And just like the women living under the Taliban, they're being forced to obey the rules of a theocracy, right? Whether you're Jewish or an atheist or a Buddhist or any of these things, well, suddenly, whether you like it or not, you're going to have to live like a fundamentalist Christian. Because these are the people passing the, the rules and the laws. And because of things like gerrymandering and, you know, voter district redrawing, these people may be in the minority, but they are going to be in control for a long time. The majority no longer rules in places like these. It's very, very scary to see how a minority fringe group of people with wacky opinions on your body, your health, your civil rights, have figured out a way to hijack and take over the systems of government in order to enact medieval types of laws on on what you can and can't do, what sort of medical care you can and can't get, because of a book written 4,000 years ago by shepherds in the Levant. Like, to think that that is having a bearing on the life of a modern woman in 2021 Houston is absolutely crazy. It's, It's absurd. So this is where we come to the point of this episode, which is this. If we're going to be secular, and the idea is to tolerate one another's beliefs, we will run into what we talked about last week, which is the tolerance paradox. How tolerant should an atheist or a secular human being be when we have this sort of bleed over and mission creep from authoritarian religions onto our lives, right? Again, secular law and government should have nothing to do with religious metaphysics or religious morality and everything to do with what we just know to be right and wrong innately and what we can prove and do scientifically. And again, I should mention these abortion laws have nothing to do with science. No doctors have weighed in here on why six weeks is a good idea. Uh, There's certainly no medical or scientific reason or secular reason why we should be putting bounties on the heads of our neighbors right, for trying to help people who have been raped. Um, That's crazy. So there is no legitimate reason for any of this that anyone can point to. It comes completely from the Bible, uh, which tons of us don't believe in, nor should we be coerced into believing in because this isn't a Christian country, as much as these people want it to be. So you can see right now, it's a scary time to live in America. We have Americans openly admiring the Taliban and what they've done and applying those principles to us here in America. And there are enough of them 
that this isn't just something to laugh at, like the Westboro Baptist Church, right? Where it's 20 weirdos who have awful opinions. This is a large swath of American society being seduced by these ideas. Uh, It's scary as all hell. And the real issue here is that Christians truly have a sense of ownership over the rest of us and over this country. They're irritated that they have to play by by rules that are not you know strictly Christian. They're irritated to live in, in a secular world where other people are allowed to have the, their own way of living, right? They're extremely irritated that a gay couple would want to raise a child. They're extremely irritated that somebody would not want to have their 13-year-old who was raped by a stranger in a park uh, bring that baby into the world and have to raise it with no social safety nets or help or anything like that. They're irritated by all this. Uh, they can't get their heads around the fact that they don't own us. Uh, it's funny, there, there's a Fox News reporter who asked Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, at a press conference uh, today, oh, I think it was, maybe early this morning. Um, he said, what is Joe Biden, you know, how come Joe Biden can call himself a Catholic while still supporting abortion? You know, they always want to phrase it like, why does Joe Biden support abortion? Again, like trying to frame it as though he loves this. How can he call himself a Catholic when Catholics don't believe in abortion, but Joe Biden totally believes in abortion? And Jen Psaki just said, it's not that he loves abortion. It's that we live in a secular country and he believes in a woman's right to choose. He doesn't believe it's up to him, right? In Joe Biden's personal life, in other words, he probably wouldn't want to have an abortion, but he understands that not everybody is Joe Biden and not everybody is Catholic, and he's sticking up for the law of the land, which is not the Pope's law. It is the Constitution of the United States, right? So Joe Biden is a man of integrity in this instance because it doesn't matter whether or not he personally would want you know, his wife to have an abortion or personally agrees with abortion. He understands that that belongs in his household, but that outside of his household, other people don't have to listen to what the Pope wants, right? That is what it should be to be an American. And that is what these people are failing to grasp. So it's easy to call himself a Catholic, you know? He just is also an American, more importantly, and especially if you're going to be an American president. I would hope to God that you would put America's values ahead of your religious values. Um, Apparently, a lot of political leaders here can't do that. People like Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis and Mike Huckabee and all of these other ultra-religious nut jobs who really do want to make the rest of us live by their personal religious rules. Well, we have to fight against this. And it comes down to, again, like I said, tolerance paradox stuff. Uh, It's very delicate for an atheist in the United States because we have this reputation of being militant assholes, right? At least that is the perception by Christians. Like, these atheists are just so mean. They want to kill religion. They want to kill Christ. And because that's so important to them, they feel like we are trying to kill and take away the most important thing in the world. And we literally are somewhere next to Satan for them. There is a poll. Now, granted, this is a a little old at this point, but I have no doubt that we still have roughly the same feelings in the United States. There is a poll in in the U.S. in 1999 Uh, sort of exploring, like, what fringe groups of people would you let be the president of the United States? And in 1999, overwhelmingly, the United States said that they would rather and sooner see a gay, like a lesbian black woman become the president than an atheist. 
Now, I think it would be great to have a lesbian black woman as the president, as long as she was good at her job. I think the other two parts don't matter. What matters is, are you a good president? But the fact that we know America being as prejudiced and as uh, awful as it is towards both gay people and black people and women, the fact that a gay black woman was a more desirable president than just any atheist, including white males like myself, traditionally people you might see become president, uh, that's so telling about this country's attitude towards atheism and how overwhelmingly people view a lack of a belief in God as some sort of an evil, right? Because if you believe in God and you believe that he did all of this and he's our benevolent father figure and he loves you, but only as long as you spend all day thinking about him, uh, well, then you would hate somebody who just says, that guy's not real. What are you, what are you talking to him for? Like, that guy doesn't exist. It's funny, Ricky Gervais has a funny way of explaining why this is such a silly attitude to have, which is that, like, look, even a Christian is already an atheist in regards to the thousands of other gods humanity has come up with, right? Zeus, Vishnu, <laughs> all these other people. You guys don't believe in them, so in a way, you already are atheists. Some of us just take it one god further, right? <laughs> the Christian Abrahamic religion guy. Yeah, we just go one further than you, and suddenly we're the bad guy. Um, but to us, it does look the same as having to listen with patience to someone tell me what he thinks Zeus wants for our public schools or what Vishnu uh, or Ganesh would want, uh, you know, (laughs) when it comes to a woman's body. It it does feel, from our perspective, that silly. And in my opinion, we've been pretty patient with this stuff because it is literally like, okay, well, here's what I think we should uh, have as far as a list of civil rights and then someone getting up and saying... Well, I hear what you're saying, but uh, I've been talking to Santa all weekend, and he doesn't like some of these things. Now, according to Santa, and then we go down and break this apart, this gets exhausting from a secular point of view because it's, it's a patient enduring of something that is completely unprovable, a little bit silly, and really, from our point of view, amounts to an adult believing in a fairy tale. Um, I don't mean to be so rude about it. Again, I know that some... People listening are no doubt religious, and I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just giving you my point of view here and the point of view of a lot of people. And I think that it's up to us to always try to be patient with this stuff and try to take people's deeply held religious views into consideration because this stuff is important to people. I understand that. If you believe in God and you have found an extreme amount of value in that belief, maybe you believe that your religion has helped you overcome drug addiction or you were down in the dumps, you know, an orphan or going through some awful thing in your life and your belief in God helped you out of it. I'm not interested in tearing that down for you. I'm really not. I'm happy that you have found value in that. And for that reason, I think we do need to have a secular society. I don't want an atheistic society. Again, I admitted at the beginning uh, of the episode that I think that that would be more convenient for me, (laughs) but I'm not pushing for that. I'm pushing for secularism, and part of secularism is you leave me alone, right? I'm not going to tell you that you have to have an abortion, and I'm not going to tell you that your kid has to become uh, gay or that it's going to be torn away from you and given to a a, a gay couple, like whatever your fear is that that, that this will lead to. I'm not going to do any of that to you. I actually just want you to leave me the hell alone. And when this gay couple does want to adopt a kid, or this 13-year-old does want to terminate this pregnancy that's going to ruin her entire life 
yeah, I want her to have access to it, and I need you to put your your book of uh, uh, shepherd tales away and leave us the hell alone because none of us believe in what you do in regards to that stuff, and that has nothing to do with our government, right? We are constitutionally protected from having you enforce that on us. Now, the problem here is that we appear to be losing that constitutional protection. So for a secularist or an atheist, the question becomes, if that's going away, how much longer do we need to be polite and how much more patient do we need to be with this stuff as it continually erodes our quality of life and eats away at our civil rights? Do we need to bite our lip and nod and smile when Christians continually attack everything that a secularist uh, holds a, a value in this world? You know, civil rights, treating people fairly, not having to live in a theocracy, these are all incredibly important to us. And as those are being kicked, beaten, erased, undone, and the authoritarian creep of the religious comes closer towards us, how long do we have to play the atheist nice guy? Because even when we are the atheist nice guy, these people already think we are the literal devil incarnate, right? To deny God uh, to them is the ultimate sin, and we're all committing it. So I'm not sure what we have to lose here by being honest at some point about what tyranny this is and how we're not going to stand for it. Because here's the other thing. Like I said, in an ideal secular society, you keep your religious beliefs at home, right? Teach them to your kids if you want. Go to your church. Have that be your community. Uh, that's fine. Um, but when you want to come bring them out into the open and challenge the secular society uh, or, or insert your religious beliefs into government, right, or into a school, like with intelligent design, we want to get rid of teaching evolution in classroom. Okay, well, we failed at that. Well, then we want to teach an alternative theory called intelligent design that's just the Bible in disguise. We're going to fight for that. Well, at this point, what you've done here is you have laced up your gloves and entered the boxing ring of ideas alongside science and secularism. And here's the thing about science and secularism. It is all about beating the living shit out of ideas and seeing which ones come out on top, right? Science isn't about being nice to every theory that comes its way. It's about absolute carnage, right? Like, if you have a scientific hypothesis, the goal here isn't to baby it through and make sure that your hypothesis somehow gets protected from all critique and damage and that it, it somehow gets shepherded to the top of the pile to be accepted as true. No, you're going to throw that hypothesis to the wolves. You yourself are going to do everything you can to disprove it. And if you can't do it, you pass it to the next scientist, and he's going to lace up his gloves and beat the shit out of it and see if he can disprove it. And only the strong will survive in the combat market of ideas. That is how we've learned to fly. That's the reason you have an iPhone. That's the reason we have a COVID vaccine, right? Because the combat sport of ideas makes for only the strongest, the most true, the most verifiable ideas will live. So here's the deal. If you want to expose your personal, private religious beliefs to that arena, well, at this point, the atheist, the scientist, the secularist should be allowed to take our gloves off and pummel you. And here's the deal. If your idea or your religion is really so great, it will win. But what very rarely happens, that, right? There's a reason why the Bible didn't give us the COVID vaccine. There's a reason why 
pastors, people who have devoted their lives to God and to Jesus, are currently intubated with their lives slipping away from them. Uh, there's a reason why no matter how many prayer requests you get or how many prayer groups show up to your bedside when you're stricken with COVID and deep in a, a coma, uh, you still die. Because those things are not helpful, right? They don't work. It's not real. It's not even magic because I've seen people pull car- cards out of incredible orifices and places before that you wouldn't believe. I would more trust a magician at this point because at least they understand that there's a dirty trick somewhere that might actually work. And it looks incredible, but there's a real mechanism going on behind a card trick or a goose coming out of a hat, whatever. So if you want to expose yourself to the scrutiny that science demands of itself, okay, have at it. But at this point, we're no longer going to have to be so polite about this, right? There will be no more tapping of the foot and looking at the watch as you explain what you think Santa would like for a woman's body or for a gay couple, or for a young child who's been raped and is now pregnant before, you know, as she's barely entering puberty. We no longer have to entertain that stuff. If you want to come at us in the public sphere of ideas, and you want to be legitimate in the way that something like the theory of gravity is legitimate, or that modern medicine is legitimate, well, unfortunately, if you want your religion there, your religion is about to get its ass kicked. And everything sacred, all the sanctity that you have for it, is going to be torn to shreds, and you are not going to feel very good at the end of the day. So here's the point. Keep it out of the public sphere. I'm not saying that I'm eager to come shred your personal religious beliefs, or that anybody should. Keep them in your home. Keep them in your private life. Go to church. Teach your kids about God. Do whatever you want, because I will not come for you there. Science will not come for you there, right? People who are not Christian have no interest in coming after you and destroying your beliefs there. It's when you come to us, okay? It's when you try to put it in public school. It's when you try to legislate civil rights away. It's when you try to decide what the army can and can't uh, do or who they will and won't accept. At that point, you've come onto a neutral battleground and the gloves are off. I need, I need every Christian who's hearing this to understand that. I don't dislike you. I don't hate you. You know, there's nothing about Christianity, Islam, Judaism. When kept in the home and kept in the appropriate places, i.e. out of government, out of schools, and out of my life, that I have a problem with. Like, do your thing. But when we want to start controlling each other's lives like this, well, we're going to have a problem, you know? And I want to point out to you one more time that I, as an atheist— have no goal of destroying your ability to live as a Christian. If you don't want to get an abortion, don't get an abortion. If you don't want to get married to another man, and you're a man, right, then don't do it. Do whatever you want. I don't care. But don't tell us how to live because of your personal religious book and doctrine and dogma. That's really it, guys. I mean, it, it should be disturbing to every American, religious or otherwise, when we see our fellow countrymen looking to the Taliban of all people on earth as some sort of a role model. Like, we're the United States of America. We wrote some of the most incredible Enlightenment era thought and law in the entire world. I mean, we are a beacon, or at least at one point in time, we're a beacon of equality, intelligence, liberty. You know, these are things that America is supposed to stand for, for all people, women, minorities, 
Atheists and every other religion is all supposed to be able to be here and have equal rights, civil rights, and freedom. So to see parts of our country looking at the Taliban and saying, man, we should be more like that, wow. That's a bummer and a half, right? Like, I can't even get my head around that. But it should alarm you, and it should be something that we don't even make fun of. This is dangerous. This is a dangerous moment in history where parts of our society want to emulate the literal worst government, if you can call it that, on earth. Here, in the place that is supposed to be the most well-governed and least corrupt place on earth, which, of course, we all know that it is not, but that is our goal, and that is the goal that we set for ourselves, and every good American wants to achieve that and, and make us every day working harder towards making a more perfect country where more people are free, right? Like I've said in the past, we should be moving in the direction where more people are, are having access to voting, more people should be voting. And instead, in so many of these states, we're doing the opposite. We're figuring out how can we make it more difficult to vote? How can we make sure that these people over here don't vote? How can we draw districts in a way that makes sure that the minority wins, right? If you get fewer votes because of the way we've drawn these districts, you still win. That is the opposite of democracy. So we're going backwards, right, in a lot of places here. This is, this is not okay. Any American who gives a shit about their country or about freedom or equality, it doesn't come wrapped in an American flag at a barbecue. It doesn't come with the cross sticker on the back of your truck. And it doesn't come with the fact that you own a gun. Real freedom in America comes when every single person here has the same amount of freedom, and that would be a lot, not a little. Not like, yeah, we're all equal. None of us can get an abortion. None of us can get married. All of us have to have kids at 13. That's not freedom. Freedom is everyone here gets to do what they want insofar as it's not harming another person. And it is within the, you know, the law. And the laws should be fair and not based on religion. Like, this is very easy. It seems complicated, but it's not. So anyway, we've come to our hour. That's what I wanted to say. And I think that, like, again, there could be a whole other episode just on atheism, why I see that as a, as a very positive thing. You know, secular humanism might be a more acceptable term to couch that worldview in um, versus religion. It's almost an entirely different episode. But the idea here being that, like, part of being a, a, an atheist and a good atheist is trying to remember that secularism is the most important thing and be tolerant of this stuff up into the point where it enters the public sphere of ideas and wants to do combat with science or with just unbelief in general, right? Maybe the reason that I, I sometimes want to shy away from just identifying as an atheist is because it's, it's not a belief system, right? It's, it's just a way of describing not believing in something. Like, I don't go to atheist church I don't just like engage in, in atheism clubs or anything. A lack of belief in God is like, it is literally like not believing in the tooth fairy. I just don't have to think about it anymore. You know, <laughs> it's like the, the values that I choose for myself would be more accurately described as a scientific humanist or a secular humanist. We could do a whole other podcast on that. But those values have nothing to do with uh, combating my, you know, whether or not God exists, because I don't think that we need to even talk about it. It just doesn't. There's plenty of other values and morals and ethics you can look to just based in the real world and on your own innate sense of right and wrong without all of this other garbage. So I'm not trying to tell you that you need to do that. Again, the whole point is I'm not trying to convert anybody. 
So don't try to convert me. Leave me the hell alone. <laughs> anyway, maybe that's my new catchphrase. The skunk, leave me the hell alone. Don't make me spray you. Because uh, trust me, it stinks. Anyway, thank you, everybody. This has been a, a, an interesting episode. We've gone over a lot of stuff. COVID, God, Texas, Afghanistan. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I will say, like I said at the, in the beginning, just a reminder, this month is a little, a little crazy at Skunk Studios. I'm doing my best to try to get episodes out as quickly as possible. But if over the next two or three weeks they're a little slower than you'd like, I'm sorry. You can always listen to this one again. Uh, that said, tell your friends, tell your family. Leave that review. And uh, I will see you all next time on The Skunk.